I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Pediapod for April 2023. This month, we look at the association between BMI trajectories and bronchopulmonary dysplasia in very preterm infants. BPD is the most common morbidity among infants born less than 30 weeks gestational age. Managing the nutrition of preterm infants with evolving BPD is difficult because of their hypermetabolic needs associated with postnatal growth and the increased work of breathing. Commonly, nutritional interventions are focused on achieving optimal body weight gain. However, very preterm infants with evolving lung disease often experience disproportionate growth in the neonatal period, which may contribute to the odds of developing BPD. In this episode of Pediapod, I speak to early career investigator Mark Beltempo from McGill University, Montreal, Canada. He and his team performed a retrospective cohort study investigating the links between change in body mass index from birth to 36 weeks gestation and evolving bronchopulmonary dysplasia. Here's Mark. My name is Mark Beltempo. I am a clinician researcher at the Montreal Children's Hospital affiliated to the McGill University Health Center. And my clinical work is being a neonatologist. I was trained in North America, Quebec. And then after that, I went to do a research postdoc at Toronto and then came back in Montreal, McGill, where I now work as a neonatologist. And what's been great since I've been working as a clinician researcher as I've been with colleagues who continuously stimulate our questions in clinic and in research. And one of the clinical observations we've continuously had caring for the higher risk babies or the very preterm babies, especially born at less than 30 weeks, is that what we realize is that as they're growing in the neonatal intensive care unit, they look relatively disproportionate, suggesting that they seem to have more body fat than actual length as they're growing in the NICU context. And that's what led us to do this research paper because we were realizing that kids that have chronic lung disease of prematurity like bronchopulmonary dysplasia, which is something that's highly associated with extreme preterm birth, mainly because preterm babies have immature lungs at birth. They're exposed to tons of environmental factors while they're in the neonatal intensive care unit, which contribute to chronic lung damage. And when we look at these kids that have bronchopulmonary dysplasia that were preterm, they seem to have this disproportionate growth aspects when we look at that, which makes it very challenging in the neonatal intensive care unit context. How complicated is it to manage the nutrition of very preterm infants? Managing nutrition of preterm infants is a challenge in itself for probably two reasons. One, what is the goal of nutrition is a big challenge. Is it 
aiming for weight gain that's similar to what the baby would have gained when the baby was in utero, which is a challenge to do because they're not in the same intrauterine environment. So achieving that may not be realistic, but we also know that underfeeding our babies is not good. On top of that, we're using a combination of what's called parenteral nutrition, so IV nutrition, where we have we control protein, glucose, and lipid intake. But we're also giving enteral with milk in which we're supplementing with extra protein, extra fat, extra phosphate, extra minerals, etc. So trying to find the right input or intake for the quote-unquote optimal metric or goal we're trying to aim is an ongoing challenge because we're not sure on both ends, what is the best situation for each baby? And that's what we're trying to figure out, saying, well, maybe weight gain is not the ultimate marker of growth. Maybe we should be looking at other things in a clinical context. So you notice that disproportionate growth pattern in these extremely preterm infants and a high proportion of them go on to develop BPD. Are you saying, what was your hypothesis about the link between those two phenotypes? We know that the body mass index, so being what's called the BMI, and that's used largely in adult and pediatrics because having a higher BMI or body mass index correlates with having higher fat tissue. There are a few exceptions, but as a concept that usually correlates and having a very, very low BMI correlates with somebody that has not a lot or even not enough fat tissue or even lean body mass. So our initial hypothesis was that Babies that have either of those extreme values either increase a lot in their body mass index or decrease too much in their body mass index would probably have higher risk of complications while they're in the neonatal intensive care unit. And one of those potential complications being bronchopulmonary So you're interested in the change in BMI and evolving bronchopulmonary dysplasia in these very preterm infants. Exactly. And it it was a multi-center retrospective cohort study. Just give us a very brief description of the actual setup of this. So this was a, a retrospective cohort study looking at three institutions. We included babies that were born less than 30 weeks gestation and that survived till at least 34 weeks corrected gestational age. And over time, what we looked at is weight measurement, leg measurement, head circumference. And then we also looked at caloric intake every two weeks. So we look at all these measures every two weeks till 36 weeks corrected for each infant. And then we looked at the infants that either changed their BMI, so either increased it versus decreased it. And we compared infants with bronchopulmonary dysplasia versus those without bronchopulmonary dysplasia and looked at their BMI trajectory also. When we compared infants that had increase in their BMI, so the most significant increase, had almost two times the odds of developing bronchopulmonary dysplasia. And that's mainly attributable to the fact that those kids actually did not grow in length, but gained almost the same amount of weight as kids without bronchopulmonary dysplasia. And that's despite having similar caloric intake. And that really highlights that probably kids with evolving lung disease can't grow in terms of length the same way, but we're continuously feeding them and giving calories that for some reason they can't transform into a linear body growth. So there's clearly this altered growth pattern in children with evolving bronchopulmonary dysplasia. Which way do you see the causality going between those altered growth patterns and the BPD? Here it's still hypothetical. Uh, There is data from one adult studies that show that people with higher uh, fat tissue Uh, have more lung damage and are harder to ventilate. So if that translates to babies, there may be a causal aspect where kids that are accumulating more fat were using higher pressures on the ventilator, creating more lung damage, which can increase their risk of BPD. 
But there's also the other aspect where we know that, especially in animal models, that animals exposed to chronic hypoxia tend to have altered metabolism and they're less able to grow in terms of linear potential and for some reason accumulate more fat. So this may be also a situation with neonates having evolving lung disease. So it's probably a bidirectional uh, association. How can clinicians use their observation of changing BMI Z scores early in life to predict outcomes? I think the take-home message is that growth is not only weight gain, and we have to look at the linear growth, so the length change in babies that are preterm. Using the BMI may be a potential guide to nutrition, but we do need more studies on what is the optimal BMI to aim for and what are the nutrients that can optimize the BMI. Is it increasing, for example, the protein intake that can help mitigate or improve linear growth in certain patients? That we don't have good data yet. We do know that calories is a big determinant of growth. Like if you have better caloric intake, you will grow better. But again, what is growth? Is it weight gain? And are there ways to optimize linear growth by giving more protein? That's still under investigation. But we do know that a lot of kids don't have enough protein intake. So that may be a component of that. And what would you like to see happen next in the research in this field? I actually have students now looking at what are macronutrient intake determinants of linear growth in preterm babies. And there are some people doing that in animal physiology and also other groups looking at that. Can you stimulate linear growth appropriately? And how do you do that is the two big questions right now. Because I suppose it's possible that you could find a way of increasing some nutrient that's a determinant of linear growth and then increase that in these very preterm infants with evolving BPD and it might have no effect on the BPD. I suppose that's possible, isn't it? That they might just be coexisting phenotypes caused by something else. Exactly. But at the same time, the other question and going back to phenotypes of BPD is at least first do no harm. So if we find something that helps either kids without BPD and then finding the right target with kids with BPD, that's the concept of a balance. Too much of something may not be good, not enough of something may not be good. And what our study shows is that probably too much weight gain in relation to no linear growth is not good and not enough is probably not good either. So where is that middle line where it may not change the whole trajectory of the patient, but at least we're trying to optimize everything we can in kids that are at such high risk of having lung disease and where we need to optimize ventilation strategies, infection prevention measures, nutritional type of uh, fees we're using, etc. And that's all part of the optimization of the care of these kids and individualized medicine. Are you in general saying that you think there's potential for the way we measure growth in these preterm infants and the way we feed them, there is potential there to do better at preventing BPD? I think so. Better measuring and having better tools to assess what is good growth in babies are required. And that's a potential area where we can maybe put a small dent into the evolution of BPD. The question now is, is BMI one of those indicators? I think we need a bit more studies to go towards, well, can we use it in clinical practice? And how do we use it is the big question. Actually, we presented this in many other areas. So we're so we're really psyched about how it's been received when we've presented in conferences and in invited guest speakers. So I've had... This was a great work done with one of my master's students in, in nutrition, and we've already started looking at that, that into our clinical practice. And since this was multi-center, it's kind of reached out to all those sites. So we're quite excited about it. That was Mark Beltempo from McGill University, Montreal, Canada. And I'm Jeff Marsh. Thanks as always for listening, and please do join us again next month for another episode of Pediapod.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.